Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Red and White Authority brought to you by Labatt Blue. I'm Daniela Bruce alongside Art Regner, as always. And our guest today is going to join us right off the top. The best of the best, the people's announcer, <laughs> Ken Cal. What's up, Ken? Hello, Daniela. Hello, Art. Good to see you today. And I'm looking forward to this podcast and talking to all the Red Wing fans out there. The good news is we can keep him as long as we need to, Art. <laughs> well, he's a talker. I, I know. I know. <laughs> Ken, Ken can go on and on and on, even, even more than me. It's story time, folks. Yeah, that's right. Buckle up. But first, we are going to talk some Red Wings hockey. And I want to go back to their last home game, Ken, which was against the Vancouver Canucks on February 10th. What a game that was. Great call, by the way. Let's, let's actually start right now by listening back. To your call. All right, what drama. Everybody's standing here. A chance for Jake Wallman to win it on a penalty shot in overtime. Here he comes over the blue line, makes his way in, left circle, shoots, he scores! What a comeback by the Detroit Red Wings! Wallman does the gritty, the teammates mob him in that Vancouver zone in the final score in overtime. The Red Wings four and Vancouver three. Ken, you're getting used to calling those Jake Wallman gritty celebrations. You know, he's been dynamic since he came over from the St. Louis Blues. I mean, so many big goals. I remember the the goal he scored against Pittsburgh. Red Wings were down mm-hmm. by four goals. You remember that game in Pittsburgh, and he scored the game winner. I think that was the first time he ever did the gritty. And then uh, he scored a big goal against Carolina, I remember, with like two or three seconds to go, and I think that was a game winner too. So, yeah, he scored some really big goals. But that game against Vancouver and the way it ended – to me, it was one of the most exciting regular season games I think I've ever called. Val, well, Vancouver's a real high-end team. I mean, they I, I, if they don't have the most points in the NHL, they're right up there among the leaders. And uh, the one thing going back to Jake Wallman, what I always remember and I constantly bring up with him, was that Steve Eiserman was aware of him at Providence College where he played. He always wanted to get him, to, to, to acquire him. You know, it didn't work out when Steve was at Tampa – and the moment that he became available through St. Louis, what did Steve do? Steve acquired him. And then Steve tells all of us that, hey, this is a guy that I've really wanted. And, you know, it's a numbers game. You know this as well as anybody. St. Louis was competing for cups. They, you know, veteran D. How many times have we heard that, right, Ken? You know, we've got to have a veteran D core, veteran D core. He was young. He couldn't break into their lineup. And so, you know, St. Louis's loss is definitely Detroit's game. One of the things I recall on a recent road trip, we were in Florida and we were on the bus and I was talking to Jake Wallman and he said that he really loves it here in Detroit just because of the fact that he really got a chance and opportunity to play and really show off his talents. And when he was playing in St. Louis, he really never was given that opportunity, but it's great to have him here. And when they first made the trade, Daniela and Art, I really thought that he was just a throw in, you know, I thought, well, okay, he's part of the deal and, and everything, but Man, I mean, he can skate, and now he's got an offensive flair to him, can really shoot the puck. That was Oscar Sundquist, right? Was also a part of that deal, right? Yes, And yes. for Nick Letty Sonny. going to, yes. yes. I mean, and some draft picks, too. That yeah. was a good deal for Detroit. It was Nothing really, against Nick Letty. He's still playing for the Blues, but good move, Steve. It was a really good deal, especially now what Jake Wallman's been able to do. And I think he's really embracing being in Detroit and being a Red Wing, too. And we're going to actually have him on the podcast later for the Two Minute Minor segment. He's going to talk about what he's doing with the Boys and Girls Club, and he used the gritty celebration to partner with the Boys and Girls Club. And if you don't know this about Jake Wallman, he has a love for gaming, video games. So he's going to help them boost that department in the Boys and Girls Club, too. You know, the thing about Jake Wallman is, and you look at a lot of players in the NHL, and they're kind of vanilla. There's no personalities anymore. 
I, I, Brett Hall, Art, I know you've oh, seen him play a lot, and Danielle, you've seen some highlights of Brett Hall play, but he was a character. He was yeah. a personality, and we're seeing that now from Jake Wallman. He does the gritty. The fans love it. He, he's just different, and the celebrations, I think just the fans really enjoy it. It's great for hockey. One, one of the things I always remember about Brett Hall is uh, at times he could be a very moody player, oh. and at times he didn't talk to the media and he was going through a stretch, and we were on the road in Carolina where he wasn't talking to any media. Not part of the team, you know, I follow, I'm, he knows I'm the radio guy and stuff like that. Well, we were in Carolina after a morning skate, and I went up to our PR guy and I said, hey, listen, do you think, I know he's not talking to the media, but do you think I could get maybe two or three minutes with Brett Hall? And he's like, no way, <laughs> he's not talking to anybody, you know? And I said, okay, but I just had to ask, you know, it's like everything else, you just have to ask. So I got a... I went to plan B, got another interview, another player, and I'm walking around outside the locker room, and this is 15, 20 minutes later, and our PR guy comes up to me and says, Ken, where are you? He says, Brett Hall's waiting for you. And I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, no, no, he says, but he doesn't want anybody in the media to see him. He wants to do the interview with you, but he doesn't want... So I go, where is he? He goes, he's hiding behind the Zamboni. <laughs> So, so I walk over and I get behind the Zamboni, you know, and here he is like ducking and he's looking, you know, and he goes, come on, Ken, let's do this real quick, you know. So I do this interview with him and it was one of the most, it was a fabulous interview. He talked about, you know, how he thinks the game, where he should be on the ice, if he's on the power play, you know, where he's going to be positioning himself. It was one of the greatest two and a half, three minutes I think I've ever talked to any hockey player. As Art said, pretty cerebral guy, you know, he was a big right, right, thinker right. and, uh, and then after it was done, he goes, I'm out of here. Bang. And he's out the door. And I'm going like, wow. I says, what's going to happen, though, when the media hears this on the radio that, you know, that I did this interview with them? Two things. I'm Well, actually, one thing I'm learning. We need to get Brett Hall on the podcast. Oh. We, we got to reach out to that guy. Here's a question for you guys, since you're he's obviously very memorable, right? Well, a lot of Red Wings were, but he's obviously very memorable. Who's the in the league, the entire league? Who's the most like Brett Hall right now, player wise? Who do you think? Who, does anyone play that kind of style anymore? I think mind-wise, I think it's Alex Lyon. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, when it comes out of Alex's mouth, you never know. And Brett was kind of that way too. You know, I mean, he was a little moody, but uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, I would say, you know, there I got is. You both thinking right now. I will tell you that there is a player or two that I have said. In, in, my point being is a player that you don't notice you know, for stretches of the game. But when he gets the puck on his stick, he makes something happen. You know who is kind of like that in a way? And I, he's not Brett Hall. Is Lucas Raymond. Lucas Raymond has a tendency to sh weave in and out of traffic and be certain places. And, you know, I think as he gains experience, and that's really what it is. I mean, Brett Hall was, what, a right wing, but... He played all over the ice. You know, he was kind of like a rover wing or something like that. But that goes with experience. He gets open once his teammates got used to him. Um, I, uh, you know, Pasternak might be a guy that, that seems to be open a lot like that, too. Um, they just have a knack for you forget about them and you shouldn't. That I, I would say if I had to sum up Brett Hall, that's what I would say. A player that you kind of lose track of and you never should lose track of because he's always thinking about where's that opening going to be. Like when he scored the, uh, the uh, overtime goal uh, in Carolina when they were down and that was the triple overtime goal, but he scored it late in the third period. You know, that, that was vintage Brett Hall, you know, Sergey had a lot to do with that too, though, but 
You know, again, I, I think the league is pretty vanilla right now, and I can't really think of uh, a well, player. personality-wise. You know, that that really stands out, who was as great as Brett Hall, but uh, was flamboyant as well. And yeah. I, I can't think of that. You know, the closest guy maybe I can think of back in his time yeah. was probably Patrick Waugh or something like that, yeah. where he didn't care about anything. Like, he told it like it was, and, you know, Brett was the same way. All right, well, I think we should talk about Ken Cal. Because he's our guest today. Do we have to? We have to. <laughs> we brought you here to talk about you. How many people know? Do you often tell the story of what your job was before you got into play-by-play? Uh, maybe my close friends, they know, but not many people do. I, to be honest with you, uh, when I went into college, I was going to be an undertaker. That's what I wanted to do. Wayne I, State, baby. That's right. I went and they had a great mortuary science school. And the reason why I say that is because there's a guy that I hung out with and played baseball yeah. with in high school. His dad owned a funeral home. And I didn't know really what I wanted to do. And his dad, and I knew his dad, his dad says, well, listen, why don't you go to mortuary science school? It's only a three-year program. And I'll give you a job. You do an apprenticeship for a year. I'll give you a job when you're done. So I figured, well, at least I got a job, you know, coming out of college probably. And then um, I got involved in the campus radio station, WAYN, uh, on the campus of Wayne State. And when it came time to declare a major after my sophomore year, I said, you know, this radio is pretty cool. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe I'll, I'll give that a, a whirl. And so I really got involved in the radio station, did all things over there, on air, production, sales, became the general manager for a couple of quarters there, and really learned a lot about how a radio station was run. Actually, I learned more hands-on experience being at that radio station than I did learning in class with all the book knowledge and everything. Oh, I will attest to that still yeah. to this day. Like internships on the job experience teaches you so much more, which is no knock on my education. Loved Michigan State, but you learn more doing it. Absolutely. But, yeah. And and so I went that route and then you know, here I am today, I guess, you know. So yeah. but there are a lot of stops in between. Yeah, you did a lot of things. You're yeah. a man of many talents. No, <laughs> nothing beats practical experience and, and doing hands on. I mean, at Michigan, we my joke always was uh, like my friends who were also in, you know, wanting to go into journalism, they would talk about actually, you know, working and doing journalistic things. And they go, Well, what do you do at Michigan? I go, Well, we read about a television camera. Uh, and it'd be great if we could actually touch the thing, but we got another book we have to read. I mean, you know, they just loaded us up. You know, we, it was really heavy academic and not practical experience. But for anybody listening out there, hey, educate yourself. You know, go to school, yeah. do all that kind of stuff. But if you can get hands-on experience, uh, that, 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 that's the best. You know, when I first met Ken, Uh-oh. he was at, I think it was Wham, right? Were Wham, you, Radio, yeah. Wham Radio. Wham Radio. In Ann Arbor, and we, uh, you know, we hit it off right away. We've been friends for a very, very long time. Wait, is this true, Ken? Did you guys actually hit it well, off? Well, I'm, I'm right just away? waiting to see where he's going. Okay. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> then I'll Wait. let you know if it's true or not. But I remember, but, but I remember, I thought, you know, because I, I wanted to get into radio, and I'm working at like PAG or the rival station or something, and but we became friends, and you know, and Ken. Then when Ken got the, did you have the Michigan job? At Wham, or did you did Wham lead to the Michigan job? Well, I was there as, and I worked in their sports department, right. and I covered a lot of Red Wing games for them because nobody liked hockey, I guess, and I just covered <laughs> it, and I and I enjoyed hockey, so I'd come to all the Red Wing games, get tape, and send it over to the radio station. But actually, when Red Berenson was hired as the head coach of Michigan, our station got the rights to broadcast the games, and nobody there knew anything about hockey, so that's when they went up to me 
And they said, Ken, uh, how would you like to be our Michigan play-by-play guy? <laughs> I never did play-by-play in my life. <laughs> like, like, you're asking me to do something that, that I don't even think I can do, you know? And, oh, no, okay, well, we'll give it a shot, give it a shot and all that stuff. What I wanted to ask you is that when the Red Wing job came open, I was on the radio and people were asking me, well, who would you like to see get the Red Wing job? I said, I'd like to see Ken Cal get it. I said, I really would. I would like at least get of him in an interview because I'm thinking Michigan hockey, you know, probably not. And then lo and behold, you get the job. I mean, <laughs> I can remember. I remember coming down at your press conference, talking to you. I was so freaking happy. How did that all come about? Well, I applied, I think, two weeks after Bruce Martin said he was going to retire. So I threw my name in the hat just like everybody else. And I think there were 400 applicants that applied for the job. At least that's what they told me later on. So they whittled it down to, I think, 10 people. And I was one of the 10. Then they whittled it down to five. And I was one of the five. So I didn't know that at the time. Right. But so, so anyway, uh, I, was, I was in medical sales at the time. And I was in Indianapolis. And I was doing a presentation. And I had a beeper. And my beeper goes off. And I notice a 313 number. And I go like, hmm, I wonder who this is, you know? So I call. And it's the Red Wings. And they said, listen, can you come in tomorrow? This was like a Thursday. They said, can you come in tomorrow, which would have been Friday, and an interview for the position? And I go, geez, you know, I go, I'm, I'm in Indianapolis right now. I'm doing this presentation. Can I come in Monday? They go, sure, come on in on Monday, right? So um, I'm excited. And then Monday rolls along. And uh, I go up to the 10th floor of Fox and uh, Atanas Illich meets me and starts talking to me about, you know, asking me some questions and everything. And his interview lasted maybe five, 10 minutes. Then he goes, okay. He goes, uh, we're gonna go talk to Mr. Illich right now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Whoa. <laughs> I'm like, wow. You know, I wasn't expecting this, you know? So we walk into Mr. Illich's office and he's sitting behind a desk and, and Atanas is there. And, and I gave him my portfolio, my resume and my tape. And I had a, back then it wasn't a reel like they call it today. It was a cassette tape, right? And it had five minutes of play-by-play, some commercials, and what have you on there. It was about seven and a half minutes long. So Mr. Illich never listened to the tape. So I'm, I'm going like, he, he tells Otanis, he goes, like, get the recorder out and put the tape in, let's hear it, you know? And I'm sitting there sweating. I'm thinking, like, holy cow, like, what if he doesn't like it? Like, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, and I'm nervous now. I'm sweating and stuff. It's August. It's like middle of August, too. It's hot and everything. So then he plays the tape, and he brings out this, yellow, this big yellow legal pad. He starts jotting notes down. And I'm sitting there, you know, finally he plays the whole tape, seven minutes, you know, and he stops the tape, and he goes, all right, well, let's review this tape right now. And I'm thinking, like, oh, oh my man. gosh. So he goes, he says, yeah, I like this, I like that, I like the way you did this, and blah, blah, blah. Everything was positive, right? So then he asked me a few more questions, and he says, uh, hey, does your coach, meaning Red Berenson, yeah. does he know that you're applying for the job? And I go, yeah. I go, here's a letter of recommendation. So I show him the portfolio, and he reads the letter of recommendation. And then he asked me a few more questions, and then he got up and left. <laughs> he just got up and left. So I'm sitting there for maybe four or five minutes and not saying anything. And Atanas, his, his son, is sitting mm -hmm. there, and it's just quiet. And I finally turn over to Atanas, and I said, hey, Atanas, I go, did I say anything to upset your dad? <laughs> He's like, no, I don't, I don't know why, why he just left. And I go, I don't know why either. He says, well, why don't you go into the office here? Or they had a big table, you know, a meeting table. He says, why don't you start 
filling out a, a job application. I said, sure, you know. So I fill it out and everything. And no sooner I get done signing my name and dating it, the door swings open. It's Mr. Illich. And he comes in there and he goes, I just talked to your coach, meaning he went and, and called, called Berenson, right? <laughs> and I knew Red would give me a glowing recommendation. So I had this big smile on my face. And I went up there and I said, well, what did he say? <laughs> and Mr. Illich looks me right in the eye, puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, he says you're a bum. <laughs> In a straight face. And I'm like, my jaw just dropped. And then he starts laughing like, like he had me, right? Like right. he's laughing like crazy. Oh, ho, 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 you know. And, and I go like, well, I'm glad he gave me a great recommendation. He says, listen, Ken, he goes, we really like you. He goes, we still have a couple more people that we want to interview. He said, but right now you're in the running. And he goes, uh, Friday, we'll probably make a decision the following Friday. He goes, just hang tight, and uh, if all goes well, he goes, you know, you'll be hearing from us. And I go, hey, great, that's great. So Friday comes along, and I'm nervous, you know, and, and I don't hear anything. Oh, no. Uh, no phone call, and it's 12 o'clock, then it's 1 o'clock, then it's 2 o'clock, then it's 3 o'clock, and I'm like, man, I'm not going to hear anything. 5 o'clock, exactly 5 o'clock, the broadcast director, Amy Gowen at the time, calls me up and offers me the job as the Red Wing announcer. And I'm like, wow, thanks. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, way to make me wait all the way till 5 o'clock on a Friday. Well, that tells me, no, you know what, Danielle, that tells me that they're busy, right? They're working. They're busy. Yeah. And they're not going to make any decisions till 5 o'clock. Yeah. So. It, maybe it was a tough decision. Maybe they were going back and forth. Maybe, maybe they had to flip a coin. And they were like, it's good. <laughs> and when was your, your press conference was the following week? It yes. was yeah. quick. It, yes. all, it happened quickly. I remember that. Yeah, it was the following week, and uh, and Bill Jamison was our PR director, right. and, he, and he says, Ken, we got to have a press conference. I go, do we really? <laughs> like, come on. Do <laughs> we really? Wait, yeah. do you remember like, like who nobody, was at your oh, press everybody, conference? Everybody, all the beat writers yeah. were there. Oh, yeah. Well, Keith I Gabe was there. Was there and uh, I don't know if Jason Four was there. I mean, all the uh, Bill Roos, yeah. who used to work Bill for the Roos. Red Wings, he was there. Yeah, he actually wrote the story in the free press, I think, the next day. But, yeah, everybody was there. So it was it was. Kind of interesting, yeah. And, you know, I never had to do Did a press it, conference before. Yeah. Where, does it dawn on you? That, I mean, you know it's a big job. You're a lifelong hockey fan. You know, you're taking over for a legend in Bruce Martin. But was there that when you walk in and you see? Because, I, I mean, being there, I mean, it was a big presser. There it were was. a lot of people there. That did it really dawn on you, like, whoa, man, this is like really happening. And and nobody art knew really who I was. I mean, other than the hockey people, I the did. purists <laughs> that followed hockey, you did, yes, but but not really many other people. And and I remember watching the news and and they you know on TV and they they played a goal call and you know said here's your new announcer. But <laughs> the other the other thing that's kind of funny is uh, Chuck Swirsky was the sports director over at. WJR at the time, and that's the station that had yeah. the rights to the Red Wing games. So, you know me, like, I, I don't want any big presentation or anything like that, right? So, so they're going to make the announcement on our flagship station, the Red Wing, rightly so, right? So, I go into WJR, and we're on the, on the whatever floor it was, the 80th floor, <laughs> overlooking Detroit, and Chuck Swirsky comes in, and he goes, Ken, he goes, uh, he says, we're going to make the announcement. I go, Chuck, whatever you do, don't make a big deal about this. Just announce it. Like, you don't, no, no, everything's going to be good. Everything's good. You know, we're going to come out of the news and then we're going to, you know, I'm going to make the announcement. So I go, okay, great. So the news is over with the guy signs off. All of a sudden the, 
the, the damn bulletin sounder goes off. Boom, 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 boom. Breaking news on WJR, <laughs> the Great Lakes, great voice of the Great, great Lakes. Lake, yep. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and now I'm like nervous as hell, right? I was kind of calm. So all of a sudden Chuck comes on. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got an announcement right now we're going to make. The new play-by-play voice of the Red Wings, Ken Cal from Ann Arbor. And I'm like, Ken, what do you got to say? I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Great intro. <laughs> but I told him, I go, after the air, I go, I go, Chuck, come on. I go, like, you were supposed to make a big deal out of this. Well, it's a big position. <laughs> <laughs> what, so was Paul always, was he your color analyst right out of the gate? Yeah. yeah. So you guys have been together for a very long time now. How was working with Paul right away? Like, how did that relationship build? No, it was great. Uh, you know, Paul knew Bruce. He worked with yeah. Bruce for 10 years, and, and he was welcoming me with open arms. Like, like and, and what's, what's really amazing, and I still think about it today, my first game that I called was against the Avalanche when they moved from, uh, from Quebec right. City yeah. to, to Denver, Denver, and that was the year they won the Cup, their first year in Denver. And I remember that was my first game that I ever broadcast. And we just worked together so good. Like we didn't step on each other or anything like that. And it was, it was kind of amazing, you know, because I never worked with them before. And from that point on, everything just worked out. I got to say my favorite part of Ken and Paul together is when Ken works in his jokes and Paul just completely <laughs> ignores them. <laughs> He'll like just completely move on. And I'll be sitting there just laughing. <laughs> what, what was the other day against Vancouver? I saw you laughing because uh, Sprong scores the goal and he goes yeah. down the tunnel real quick and he makes a, a left <laughs> turn. <laughs> And uh, Paul's going like, you know, like, well, you know, maybe you need equipment, equipment adjustment. Yeah. And I go like, no, nah, I think he went to the bathroom, Paul. <laughs> Paul goes, that is way too much information, Mr. Cal, and just moves on yeah, from uh, it. With Paul, though, what's, what's interesting, or, or you know, at least even from my perspective, is that you remember Paul as a player. You're yep. a Red Wing fan. You watched him as a player. You listened to Bruce call games on the radio. You heard Paul. What was it like? Because when you walk in, he may not know you, but because you knew him as a player, you listened to him on the radio, That did you, did, do you think that that's why maybe that was part of a seamless transmit, uh, transition is because you, you, know, you almost felt comfortable enough that you already knew who he was or how he was going to react? Well, Paul is a really good people person. Well, definitely. And, and um, you know, we kind of hit it off the first meeting. We met at Greektown, and we had lunch at Greektown. I said, I wanted to... And at the time, I said, you know, I really want you to be more of a part of the broadcast because when Bruce was calling the game, it was the days where the play-by-play guy almost talked through the whole broadcast, and every now and then Paul would chime in with something. And I said, Paul, you have enough knowledge where you, you, you know, people want to hear that knowledge. And I think, I think, you know, like what I'd like to see is have you talk a little more and, you know, and, and talk about that knowledge, and, and you've got so much insight that I think the fans would really like it. So I'd really like you to be – a big part of this too, you know, and not just me talking about the game all the time or something like that. So, you know, that kind of worked out good. And, you know, like everything, you have to refine it over the years and, you know, but it was really kind of an easy transition. Yeah. I, I always thought that, it, you know, and then being, you know, part of it for, for, for a few years myself of watching it, but you guys were, you know, Paul is really interesting. What I like is, and I don't know how he does it, You'll call and then he'll come in like real quick, you know, and he'll say something like, "It's Dylan Larkin's fifteenth goal. He's has fifteen goals in his last sixteen games." Ken, you know, like <laughs> I mean, it's like, but it's like he knows his window and he 
right when it starts and when it ends, and it's just like, boom, you're right back to the action. I mean, it's really kind of uncanny. He also can slip in a little play-by-play, too, if he oh, needs yeah. to. And, and it's great because he'll he'll do his thing, tell the information that he needs to tell, and then he'll call the play the rest of that play, and then Ken takes back over, and I'm like, this is great. <laughs> I, I, I have a real quick story about it. we Back in the day, we used to do this trivia challenge thing, and we called it Stump the Chump. Okay, and Paul would ask me like these seven part questions on the air, and he would say like, "What six players scored five hundred goals and had one thousand penalty minutes, and also played in the uh, junior leagues and uh, you know surmassed uh, five hundred penalty minutes?" It was these questions that I could never answer. Right, so we went through a stretch one time where I was like oh for twenty or something like that. Well, then we went through a stretch where I got three in a row. And, and I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I answered three in a row. So he thinks something's up. He thinks like, I'm, you know, I'm, he's asking me the question. And then I would have the break like to think about it. Like someone's feeding you answers or something. Answers. Yeah. So he'd go to visiting radio. Hey, did you talk to Ken Cal? Did you give him the answer? So, so we were in Tampa. We were in Tampa, Florida one time. And I won like three in a row. And so I go after the end of the period. He asked me the question, went to the break. I went to the bathroom, right? And so I go to the bathroom, I'm coming out, and the door is shut. Like, I can't open the door. So I'm, like, like banging on the door with my shoulder trying to get this thing open. Finally, I opened it, and I hear this boom. And I walk out, and there's Paul. He's, like, dazed, you know? He was listening in to see if I was asking anyone in the bathroom if I knew the answer. He had his head right by the oh my door. He had his head by the door. <laughs> That's hilarious. That, that is, is great. You two are a great a great duo, though. It's it's awesome to be up there with you. And uh, Paul Woods, the amount like those questions he was asking you, he probably actually knew the oh, answers yeah. without any research. He knows so much, so much. He's like your own Wikipedia. I just he, asked Paul. He's he's like the guy. I always say this. I was the guy that went to college, and I would study for the test, and then afterwards, people say, "What was the answer to question number two? Or what did you think?" I would forget. Same. I'd say like, you know what? I'm done with that. Let's move on. But Paul's the guy that will come out and know everything about every every question, every answer. He tell he has this wealth of knowledge that just he retains. You know, mm-hmm. he can tell you right now like who's the top center on the Arizona Coyotes and and he I'm like everybody. I'm like, man, like <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> everybody. He can go I swear he knows all four lines on every, every single team. team. Every, yep. And he knows where they were before, all the teams they played for before they got to that point and it's pretty incredible. And that includes like were they in college? Did they play juniors? Like it's incredible. Uh, he he just knows his stuff. That's the best way to put it. Art, I think a lot of it and Daniela has to do with his experience as a player and as yeah. an announcer and he's seen everything right. in his years of broadcasting, right? So, uh I I can remember him telling me the Kings started off good this year and then they went into a slump right before the All-Star break and he was telling me and telling everybody on the air he says, "Geez, the Kings better start winning because this could be it for Todd McClellan as their head coach. And I'm like, nah, you know, they'll come out of it and stuff. Sure enough, you know, the Kings fired Todd McClellan. They hire a new coach. And 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 th- those are the types of things that he sees because he's been through it mm-hmm. as a player and also as a broadcaster. Well, yeah, what didn't he great. see when he was a Red Wing? I mean, that those were some very interesting times to be a player in Detroit when he played. Yeah, it. I I everything really. When you're – Ken and I will talk about a situation and we might just be – BSing about something that's going on on a different team or around the league, and Paul will come in and no, 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 that's that's not how it's going to work. This is how it's going to work, and most of the time he is right. 
actually probably 99.9%. Well, yeah, we, we kind of joke around with Paul. He's eternally optimistic, very optimistic. And sometimes we'll say, you know, if the Red Wings, unfortunately, you know, when they're mathematically eliminated, but not in Paul's mind, you know, it would be like, no, they got a chance, you know, and he always is, he, he has these scenarios. Some of them actually could happen. And some of them are so, there has to be like 18, 19 things have to fall into place in order hey, for it's it a to, scenario, to work out. Though, let me but tell it you. is a scenario, but I mean, but he thinks it that way, you know, he really, really, uh, you, you, you could say, boy, the Red Wings are That could aren't be a player well. mentality, too, though. You yes. can't, well, you, right, you've got to be positive. You've got to know that there's a chance, right? You right, right. You're, you're absolutely right, yeah. because when they don't have anything to play for, that's the worst feeling in the world as a player. And, Art, you mentioned he went through some tough times when in his days as a Red Wing, and he, he always tells me, he says, even though we weren't a very good team, he goes, there wasn't a game that we ever went out where we thought we were going to lose. Right. We thought we were going to go out and we're going to win every game. So I think a lot of that positive attitude that he brings to the broadcast is probably because of how competitive he was as a player. Right. Well, I can't, wait, time. I can't wait to tell him that we did like the Paul Woods show on the podcast. <laughs> get him on. Yeah, we should. We should have had him join us. Yeah. I don't know what we were thinking there. Next time we're, we're going to get Paul Woods on. But to wrap things up, I do want to talk about some of the, the current things that are happening in the NHL and where the Red Wings are at a big road trip in Western Canada. And right now they're in a wild card spot. Ken, just what do you think they have to do the rest of the season? Because we know that it's, it's going to come down to the wire with the Eastern conference. Well, I mentioned, I know I mentioned a Derek Lalone uh, about a month ago yeah. that uh, once you get to 29, 30 games left, there's going to be some separation now between teams that are going to make the jump, and the playoff push, and then there's always teams that are just going to start falling back just because they don't have it. And Derek said, well, no, I think there might be seven or eight teams that are going to be there right to the end. Well, we're starting to see a little bit of that separation right now that is helping Detroit. The Red Wings continue to win, but now I believe as of today, they're four or five points ahead of the team that's closest to catching them mm -hmm. for that final wild card spot. So you look at the Atlantic division, Buffalo, Montreal, Ottawa, they're kind of out of it now. They're too far behind, in my opinion. But the Red Wings just have to continue to get points and not lose in regulation. And the more points that they can, they can accumulate, the better chance that they're going to win or make a playoff spot. So I just think that these are really good games coming up for the Red Wings. They're challenging. They're playing Vancouver again. They're playing Edmonton again. This Western Canada trip is never easy. The Red Wings, I don't think, have won a game in Seattle since they came into the league. So these are big challenges but for the Red Wings. But for the most part, I think the Wings have been playing really well. And I think what's the difference right now than at the start of the season is I don't think the Red Wings got the goaltending they're getting now from Alex Lyon. The Red Wings luckily scored a lot of goals early in the season to win games Outscored five to mistakes. four. Yeah. Exactly. But now they're 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 not giving up three goals or more. And that enables them to stay in each and every one of those games. Well, the thing I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's going to come down if you look at the Atlantic division. I think you know Florida and Boston, who is is amazing. I don't know what's in the water at Boston, but I wish they'd market it and we all could drink it. I mean, I I, I cannot believe you know they've been predicting the, uh, the the demise of the Bruins forever. Uh, but if those two if those two teams are in, and then you know there's Tampa, Toronto, Detroit, and then nobody else in the Atlantic Division. I agree with you. You know Montreal, Buffalo, uh, you know which was the sexy pick. 
and uh, in Ottawa, who's fallen off the face of the earth, which you know makes Red Wing fans, I know, feel great about. But get, we can't beat them. Get, that's, the yeah, only <laughs> that's okay. They only have forty <laughs> points. Uh, but the thing is, is become very familiar with the Metropolitan Division because those are the teams that Detroit is going to be competing for for those last two playoff spots. And there's a lot of them. They're really, really bunched up. Even Carolina's, I think, maybe five points ahead of Detroit. They have the same amount of games to play. But, you know, Pittsburgh, Washington, Philadelphia, uh, you know, know, those are the teams that – Islanders. You know, so watch their games – from here on out. Well, as it stands today, and remember, we're talking before the Western Canada trip has been played, and Detroit is in that second wild card spot, but they're only a point behind Tampa for that third spot in the Atlantic Division. And Tampa has played 53 games, Detroit only 51. So right. Detroit and, and, has some games at hand. That spot's available. And I who knows what Toronto's going to do? I guess the team that everybody is really leery about, if you're a Red Wing fan or you should be, what happens at the trade deadline, and if New Jersey gets a goaltender, if they can f- somehow find a goaltender, and you just mentioned Alex Lyon, we know how important goaltending is. That has changed the Red Wings season around. That if New Jersey gets a goaltender, watch out for them because you've got to think that you know Tampa's going to somehow try to sneak in. Toronto even though they're never going to win anything, uh, that they're going, you know, that they somehow always seem to make the playoffs. So Detroit is really going to be in a dogfight, and I really think it's going to be against those Metropolitan Division teams. But you're right, you know, they could be. They could be third. If they're third, then they're going to end up playing Florida in the first round. The point is they're in the I fight think the for Red Wings are good. Right, I think yeah. they're going to make the playoffs. I actually do think the Red Wings are going to make the playoffs as long as Lyon holds up and that Billy Husso can come back and do something because we're reaching uncharted territory with Alex Lyon because he's only played the most games in the it's 15 in one season. And, you know, last year, who saw when he hit like 40 and everyone's worried, is he going to, you know, uh, 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 you know, mentally be a strain. So if Alex Lyon needs a bit of a mental break, mm-hmm. just to, get his, you know, collect his thoughts a little bit. Huso and James Reimner, don't forget about him. The last game he played, which was seemed like years ago, uh, he played very, very well. But, you know, Huso's going to have to come in and pick it up a little bit and be better than he was in the first half of the year. All right, all those teams you were talking about possibly catching the Red Wings or Red Wings have to finish above I think the one challenge the Red Wings have, and I looked at all the schedules in the last 13 games. It's very impressive. I put that out on Twitter, yeah. (laughs) Eight of the last 13 games for the Red Wings are going to be on the road, and they're against really solid teams, Florida, Tampa Bay, Toronto, uh, Carolina. So the Red Wings have to, in my opinion, they've got to make the best of their home schedule, and they've got, after this Western Canada trip, they play quite a few games here at Little Caesars Arena. They have to make the best of those games because the final 13 games are going to be more difficult, I think, than any of the other teams that are they're, they're trying to make the playoffs against. Before we get out of here today, we talked about Jake Wallman earlier, and he announced a new partnership with the Boys and Girls Club. I talked to him for today's Two Minute Minor. Jake, we have to go back to the game against Vancouver. Your overtime penalty shot wins the game. First question for you, how often do you practice a penalty shot? Um, yeah, not often, but uh, <laughs> obviously we have a bunch of skilled guys on our team and have kind of 
picked a little bit from them and um, talked to the goalies a little bit on what works. And um, yeah, I kind of had that in mind the whole time. So it's uh, fortunate it worked out. So were you nervous at all? You can be honest with us. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how could you not be nervous? It was uh, you're at home, you can win the game on a penalty shot. It's pretty crazy. Um, almost felt a little bit like a dream. Um, kind of wish that everybody can experience that. It was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, no, it was fun and uh, really excited that it went in and, and happy that we got that win. So, of course, you hit the gritty celebration, as you always do when you score, especially in overtime. And now it means a little bit more. You talked about your partnership with the Boys and Girls Club here in Michigan. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it was. Um, it started uh, last year. I was fortunate enough to hang out with the uh, Boys and Girls Club for a couple hours during the day and um, really kind of see what the what the whole club's about. And um, obviously, I loved it. You know, it, it's, it's um, kids that are there that are either spending their whole day there or going there after school and, and killing some time. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of cool, neat things in there. they got a lot of new programs going on, and I kind of want to take this opportunity to um, kind of make myself part of it and, and join in that community a little bit. I think it's really important for kids to experience kind of everyday things that, that we experience, and um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to provide that. So this, uh, this gritty merch that I'm going to be rolling out, in the next month or two, it'll be uh, all the proceeds will go to that um, to kickstart this whole uh, this brand of mine that I'm going to do, and and that's the first connection with the Boys and Girls Club. And fans that are coming to a specific Red Wings game will get to experience a pop up. Do you have the dates for that yet? Yeah, no, not yet. We um, we're still rolling out the merch. It'll be a little bit of a test, but um, it'll be cool. We'll announce the date. I'll, I'll post it on my socials and stuff, and it'll be a whole thing. Um, little pop up shop like you would see in a mall. Um, just a a booth of uh, selling t-shirts, there might be some hats, there'll be youth sizes for kids and um, adult sizes as well. So um, yeah, hopefully everybody can at least see the pop-up shop and there'll be a limited number of t-shirts, but uh, it'll just be the start of something bigger for me. And I know you mentioned post-game that obviously you have a passion for gaming, so you were going to help the Boys and Girls Club in that aspect too. Yeah, when I uh, visited them last year, that was pretty much the only spot I hung out with them, uh, the, the gaming center, and they, they have a really good setup right now, but uh, I don't know, I think there's some stuff to add. I, I got a little flair I can add to that, so um, I'm excited. It's a passion of mine off the ice, obviously gaming, and um, I, I, know, I know kids love gaming too as well, so um, yeah, it'll be cool to connect with them on that level. I love that. Thanks for your time, Wally. Excited yeah. to see where that goes. Thanks, Daniela. Ken, thank you for joining us on the Red and White Authority Brought to you by Labatt Blue. That was a by Labatt Blue. Full yes, of Labatt oh, Blue. Man, Labatt Blue, it is <laughs> my all time it. favorite. It's the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. We just ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Red and White Authority. We'll see you next week.